Hi, this is Will Chang, and as always, I have my co-host Andrew Sue and Lee Chang with me. What's up, guys? Hey, how's it going? So, Lee, you're back. You're you're back from Geneva. Yeah, no, no, I was never in Geneva. I was in uh, Zurich when we were talking, and then I hopped on a boat and snaked up uh, the Rhine River uh, up to Amsterdam. So I just got back two days ago. A little sick, but um, good to be back. How was the experience? Um, it was it was interesting. Um, I don't know if you all have done cruises before, but uh, this was a river cruise, so smaller boat, and um, the average age is probably like sixty five. So I was like the youngest guy on board, um, but interesting, definitely um, a different experience. But did you notice anything? Like what was uh what was it like? Since you were the youngest one, did you do anything new or get any new habits? I would say. It's a good cruise, but it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I mean, there's no amenities on board, so there's like no casino gambling. You know, there's no gym. There's no entertainment. Um, it's all about the excursions every day and the connections you make. So it was, it was cool. You know, most of the conversations were about the other uh, patrons and, and their children because their children are like my age. So, you know, it was more so about that. Um, but... It's a good time. Yeah, I'd recommend it. So, Andrew, uh, since we last talked, you had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> you're actually the only, out of the three of us, so we're all in our late 30s now, and you're the only one that has, has a kid. We have no idea what that experience is like, so please explain explain what that experience is like to, to two people that have never, never experienced it before. I think it depends, like, which part of it that you guys are interested in hearing is what I would ask. Like, are you interested in, you know, the kid part itself or like how it makes me feel or how it like changes life or, right. Cause like there's, I think a lot of things, a lot of kind of aspects that aren't talked about as much, right. Like in general though, it is pretty awesome. I will say like all the dads are so excited to talk to you. Um, and it opens up like a new world, both in like your neighborhood and then of your friends who are parents. What do you I think mean that's by a new world? Way. What does that mean, a new world? It's just like any parent uh, is just stoked to talk to you. So there's like people at work that didn't talk to you as much and you realize like how much of their life is like consumed by it. Um, just having kids because, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because <clears throat> if you care, it's just, it's like a nonstop job. And so... They're so excited. Everyone's like so excited to talk about like, what are you trying? What issues are you running into? Like, did you try this new onesie or like this bottle or this thing? Uh, and like, so it just creates this like common point, right? So, I mean, it's like when you find someone, let's say like you're super into NASCAR, right? Or something. And then all of a sudden it opens up and they know like, so it opens up a whole new world kind of. Yeah. So it does feel like ever since I maybe turned 30, it does feel like I'm on this island with friends and then eventually each friend kind of just leaves the island. And then slowly as you get older, you're like the only person still on this island by yourself. And the thing is like, I don't even really recognize, I guess, that they've left the island. I've just, I've just thought like, oh, like I'm still doing my own thing. I just, I just don't even really, really recognize that there's out, there's anything outside of my island that makes any sense it i mean it does but like what i would ask is uh do you feel like 
your island's changing because I don't remember. It was actually two jobs ago where, I mean, always after work, you'd be like, you'd go out with people or, you know, want to get food, meet new people. And then my last job, like it started just kind of stopping. Um, and so it's kind of like a life and identity shift because you're, you're ready to just not be out all the time anymore. So has your island changed? Right. Like, so I get what you're saying, right? Like, but I'm, I'm curious if like you've noticed that. You I know, guess, you... I mean, I've never really been ever, like, I, I've never really been like maybe after college, I haven't really been that into going out and, and like socializing. Mm. Um, I've been more just kind of like, just basically just kind of like doing things on my own and building. And then, you know, once in a while, like once every other week or so catching up with friends to like talk about like, building and working on stuff so i've never really had like that experience where like i i have all these friends like hanging out with me and drinking with me every day and then all of a sudden they're like disappearing it's just more like okay they're just doing they're just doing kid shit now and i don't want to i don't want to go to like kid birthday parties and shit like that so i'm not i'm not gonna like like you know i i i only i will only do it if i like if it's like someone i really really like right but they won't be like Whereas before, like, I would hang out with people, I wouldn't hang out with people that I don't like, but I would, you know, be more willing to spend my time with somebody, like, one-on-one. But then, like, you know, if they have a kid, it's, like, no longer about, like, your your relationship, and it's more about the, like, the attention on, on the kid. So you kind of, like, try to avoid kid situations more so. Mm-hmm. And so, so yeah. then, like, um, I just, like, stopped going to, like, there's more of a barrier when it, with me with friends that have kids because i don't really want to do that stuff you know what i mean and so it, it, it yeah. the, the island is more i think uh yeah if yeah i get what I, you're I, saying yeah, yeah i see so well cool thing so i think it's uh you are affected less by uh the island because of how you are so like i think that's one call up. i don't know if you knew that but i think more people it's more intense in terms of like losing groups of friends that they can hang out with just in general because people change so it's cool that you're less impacted uh and then on the parent front i think i could give you a strategy potentially to like be comfortable hanging out with with them because the the way to think about it is just like they're just on a time frame of their kid because if they're not consistent their kid like loses their mind basically and so it actually reduces the pressure on you. So you can go and be like, hey, I'm going to go for 30 minutes, you know, drop by. They will focus on you for X amount of time. And then like, and then you can just bounce like, because the parents need to be on a schedule, which is like a one to three hour window. And then they have to like, go back to take care of their kid, basically. So it, I don't know if that helps you in terms of like, being able to hang out with them or if you're just, you know, kind of out for now. Yeah, that does help. But I guess like my metaphor is like you you basically like uh basically sailed and reached reached the other island, the bigger island and with welcoming arms, right? It's I mean, it's definitely a new island like cuz so you know, moving to to Brooklyn, right? Like it didn't fit, right? So it was kind of a I was in a complete no man's land. I was between I was like sailing to use that analogy, right? Mm-hmm. And then I landed on the big island and I didn't realize that like I was there and I wasn't that happy that I was there. But mm-hmm. now that like we have a kid, like, yeah, it makes perfect sense because 
it's you're connected now it's it's similar to what we were talking about before like you see all the kid infrastructure in the neighborhood and you're grateful that it's more chill so you can walk around like versus <clears throat> um if you don't have a kid you you don't need any of these things so you don't notice them right and i think that's been the best part personally is like uh a reset um so you you slow down cuz uh i had a I've had lots of dads give me advice, but one really good story or one that hit was um, he, uh, a friend's friend recently had like a heart event and it ended up in the hospital. And he said, he was telling me that prior to that, he thinks that it happened because he was just so stressed that he was trying to like get his kid to, to school and it just wasn't having it, not doing anything. And he was telling me, the big thing that he realized is just the kids never done it before. And so you have to throw all your expectations and on the anxiety that, you know, you put on yourself as an adult and you can't put that on a kid cause they have no idea. And, you know, and now he's really working on that because he felt, he felt like it like ended him up in the hospital. Right. And so it, that's just like an example of it's a good reset. You know, it's a forcing function for you to kind of relax, retake stock and, be okay with like not being life in the fast lane at least for a bit um and also like if you choose to accept it i'm sure there are parents that don't choose to accept that and they continue uh on their same path so it sounds like you talked to a lot of dads and got a lot of advice like what was the process like for you like did you do it on purpose or was it just because you're hanging out with people and you're just talking about having a kid uh like what was that process like for you to like figure out like what, like what to do or how to think about it? I think, uh, so I, I'm a, like a logistics person. It's just making sure that all the things that we need are good. Uh, so I think it was the talking to dad's part was more, as soon as they find out, they have certain pieces of advice that they're already excited to talk to you about. And so it kind of flows to you, uh, I think that's that's one. And then two, I think Shah is actually the one that is deeply embedded in community. So she has multiple mom groups. Our neighborhood has, you know, a month cohort for the kids. And then many of our friends have had kids. So I'd say all the dads are just excited to tell you, like, their one or two favorite things. And then Shah is kind of giving me the more full context. Um, but it also, if you think about it, makes sense because a mom knows that she's pregnant from like, you know, week four. Right. And there's no getting around it. And like every day, especially later, there's something like moving inside of you. Right. So you're very aware the entire time, like this kid is coming. Right. Versus as a dad, you can be kind of more disconnected because you're not affected. You know that they're affected, but you're, you're less, you don't, you don't feel it. Right. And so I think a lot of it came from Shah. So she got a lot of things ready. And then we had a lot of friends helping with different things, which I'm grateful for. And then the dads. Yeah, they're just excited. Everyone's excited to tell you. Like, I went to a product manager meetup in our neighborhood and it was hilarious. Like, I met all these like senior people and we would spend a lot of the time just like talking about their kids, like bathroom habits or like what funny thing that they're like working on right now. And you didn't even get to work, which was, which was great. It was like very, refreshing because so many of the networking events are just pure yeah you can feel like somebody wants something from you 
versus just you know being real with each other wait that that's a little bit surprising to me because i would have thought i mean so so on that point of you know the dynamic between you and shaw in terms of yeah it is it consumes her world right because um physically and emotionally it's more taxing and it's every moment of of her waking day and sometimes probably when she's sleeping too she can feel the baby kicking and whatnot but i mean aren't you there with her like every step of the way in terms of you know trying to understand how she's feeling like you know what she needs um you know trying to kind of dive into you know consuming as much information as you can because like the stuff you're talking about in terms of what other people are sharing with you that sounds more like what people share with me because they're like oh you know you're not a dad yet right so there's only limited context that you could understand so i'll tell you one or two things that really sucked or that are amazing about a parent but i'm not going to dive into all the details because i don't it's kind of like like i know andrew you're you're such a learner of things like you love to like break things down will too you know and so when we talk about things that we're interested in we get super excited and we love to dive into the weeds but when you talk to someone that you know maybe only has a superficial understanding right um you're not going to go like two levels deep because it's more so you're trying to match them on you know not just their energy level but their level of understanding so it's just it's interesting to me like when you talk to other dads you know the level of depth that you get into because it doesn't sound like you you go that deep no dad ever went two levels deep and uh i think part of it also if any dad did it would they would need to have a lot of context on kind of who i am but uh, the the better way to put it is uh, we again we we did talk to quite a few people and what we heard across the board was that it's a 50-50 shot on if any of the two levels deep advice works for every kid. Like to give you an example, like we just broke down six different bottle types with different nipple sizes and all these things. And our doula who's helped like 300 kids explained how each one works and how like why the, each one's benefit depending on the kid. And like, it also depends on the mom and then the kid is growing. So like, even if the, the kid takes the bottle, three weeks later, there could be a regression and et cetera, et cetera. And so basically that was standard from the people that were more experienced, which was 50-50 shot and the kid changes. So even if you get your kids sleeping through the night in month one, month two, month three, like it could all go straight out the window. And so I think that's where the second level didn't really apply. And it was more an approach, which and so then the approach really is like, don't have expectations. Like I can tell you, I can repeat it to you. And then like, they do apply, which is like, don't have expectations on your kid because they're literally new to the world and they can't understand you. So you're just kind of like dealing with whatever is changing for them at the moment. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and it, it's true. Like she is now like we just introduced bottle feeding and she's already changing up even how she like eats from a bottle. So like that was one consistent piece that now I can take you two levels deeper. Then another is, what was it? It's actually, it's cliche. It's to just like enjoy it uh, because it does go fast and they're basically changing like every day. So like she just started making faces yesterday. So until then, like she didn't really make faces and because our friends had told us that we like just sat and like took photos of her, like taking faces. 
Um, and that's what we, that's why parents want to hang out with other parents that have new small kids, because like, even though they cry a lot and they do a bunch of stuff, like from what it seems like, it's just great. Cause they're just chill and they're completely relying on you and they like love you unconditionally. Whether, right. I mean, you're putting it on them, but you feel that way, which is why parents, they think about it and they're like, oh, I miss having this like awesome person that was just always with me. You're taking care of them, you know, and then they get older and, you know, a friend tells me, you know, certain age <clears throat> already kids like, I don't want to be here. You know, I hate you. And you're like, oh, let's go back to when I had to like take care of you eight hours a day and you were just awesome. Stuff like that. Um I do have one piece of, like, if you guys ever have kids, the only, this functional piece of advice that I would have is be ready to give formula. I think it will reduce your stress by a million. Um, so that would be one. And then the other that I can just tell you is like, there's a, <clears throat> at least currently, there's like a four or five step process about imitating like the womb. And it makes the kid a little bit more comfortable. And so if they're crying, it you have a shot at like helping them cry less. And so those are both like that would be the very specific two levels deep point advice that you might be able to get deeply into. Um, the formula piece is because dude, breastfeeding, if if you go is just crazy stressful. I'll put it that way. We can get into all the details, but like it's extremely stressful on the mom, extremely stressful on the kid. And if the kid's crying, it's gonna be extremely stressful on you. So formula is kind of like mitigation it's not one size fits all but like that would be one uh and then uh, yeah so so those would be kind of the two points that you can go like two levels deeper so on. the the womb thing I've, I've seen people do it there's like white noise right and that type of stuff yep it's swaddling so they feel like they're like compressed again um white noise and then you like rock a little bit right because when they're inside they're kind of being rocked and then i forgot the other two um, but that's consistently what we consistently what we what we do. You said a word that I didn't never heard of the doula. What is that? Uh, a doula is someone who can be experienced in all facets of like childbirth. It, like, there's lots of basically they're experienced um, child, like taking care of a mom when she's pregnant, helping with. Uh, the actual birth and then helping raise the a newborn. Um, and there's just a lot of expertise there, which I didn't realize, um, but it's amazing. So I'll give, try and give like small, quick examples. So if a mom is pregnant, then kind of her body is changing all the time. And so an experienced doula is like, oh, okay, like I've seen this before. So, and let's also imagine besides learning, like doulas have worked with a hundred or more moms and kids at like births. So, when a mom's pregnant, then she can help like, oh, this is sore, this hurts, this is normal, this is something you should look into, or here is a like therapy that you can do to try and reduce it, right? So it's peace of mind because you know that this person's been there before and then also expertise. During birth, um, a doula typically will know like all the hospitals in your area. They know all the rules, they know which ones are arbitrary, they know which ones that you can like discuss, they know what you can ask about. And so, and then they're also taking care of you. So they might be like massaging the mom's feet or like just doing things that are good for the mom or answering questions. But then if a doctor's trying to do something, they can also advocate for you and not like override the doctor, but they can be like, Hey, this is a choice you have. You can ask this question, you know, 
this is what the science says, et cetera. So they're kind of support and typically a good doula. They actually know everybody in the hospital. Um, and actually doctors like it because it's like working with another professional versus, um, you know, you who have never been there ever before, right? Like they will know the doula. And so they'll just like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And it, there's like a level of respect. So that's during birth and all the things that can happen. And then post-birth, um, it's helping with like, how do we breastfeed? How do I pick which bottle? Why is like my kid doing this thing? Why does this hurt? Is this normal? Right. And like, should we be worried? Is our kid dehydrated? I have no idea. Right. Like you've never been there before. So it's someone you can just ask questions to, or they'll just come up and show you what to do. Or some will go all the way of like, they'll just do everything for you. Right. So there's kind of levels across the board, but effectively they're like, um, a professional who can cover all those facets. Some of them specialize. Um, and then they can go even farther. They can be cooks, they can be food experts, all kinds of things. So there's someone who like helps. So, so then do you great. just find them on like a website or a referral or how did you find yours? Uh, again, Shaz and all the different networks. Um, so the amazing thing is so she found like this really cool yoga spot that actually one of the teachers one or two are a doula. Um, she joined a friend's personal training. They're personal trainers, but they're also doulas. And then those doulas, actually, there's someone who's been in um, the New York network for a long time. And what she did is she set up a doula finding service. We don't know how like it works from a business standpoint, but you just share your information and she sources them. And so they give, she gave us a list of like 10 or 20 and then we did interviews and based on vibes, you, you're like, Oh, this person's great. And they were fantastic. Like, um, so that's how we found our actual, like, um, <clears throat> the duo that's helping us post birth. Wait, real quick. Um, out of respect for her, we've been referring to your baby as her this entire episode, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think our listeners know what her name is. So, oh uh, yeah. <laughs> her name's Emmeline. <laughs> yeah. And how did you guys come up with the name? Uh, we just made a list of like a bunch of different names that we liked. Um, and then we had two going in. We were pretty sure it'd be Emmeline. We didn't tell anyone because we just heard stories where, you know, people give you their opinion and it's not something that you want to hear. But also we had friends that they literally had names picked out. Their kid's born. They're like, nope this is a Clyde, you know, they completely change it. <laughs> and so we just, that was the one thing we kept private. Everything else we, we were totally open about. Um, so we had a list. Yeah. So that's kind of how we did it. All right. Um, walk us through the process. Like, yeah. Tell us what which, it's like. Which one? Just like, what was it like before, uh, like going to the hospital and then, like, because I know that you waited for extra time, right? Um, mm. And so, like, tell us, like, a little bit about, like, what that process was like for you. Yeah, the hospital. So, we started talking about it. We just were talking about it as a, like, <clears throat> travel. We ended up calling it a one-way trip. So, just think about you just packing to take a two- to four-day trip. Um, if, if it's a natural birth, well... Like labor can take three days. It, it can take a very long time. But basically you want to pack like two to four or five days, um, depending on how things go. So just imagine you're taking a trip. That's how we're talking about it. And that's what we did. Um, 
And so we, we were packed. And then given we thought that the baby might be big, uh, by the way, like the stuff I'm getting into, there's a lot of preferences, like parent preferences baked in. Um, and so just, I'm not commenting on any of that. So, so to give an example, like there are people that um, they want to do a natural birth. They want to do it at home, right? Like that's it. They're a middle ground of that. Uh, it was in the past. There's a hospital in New York. There's a birthing center. So you could have like the home experience, but you were walking distance to a hospital, right? It's for safety. So I'm not commenting on any of that. We went for standard hospital birth. Um, and so everything I'm saying, what I'm getting at is it's coming from that context. Um, and then there's also folks that like don't want to do, uh, what is it called? Uh, I can't remember the exact word. It's like innovation or it, it, it's not interference, but basically like, like child being induced. Some people don't want to do that, right? Like they want to go as natural as possible. So there are a lot of decisions there that are made and I'm not commenting on any of those decisions, but like for me going into it. So we just treat it as a trip. We were packed for it um, because we thought it was going to be a really big baby and other science things. That's stuff I'll skip. Cause that's like personal evaluation and choice. Um, we decided that uh, it was scheduled that if Shaw didn't go into labor, then uh, we would try and induce on <clears throat> um, her due date. And so we were literally getting in the car to drive to the hospital at that time. Then we got a phone call. It's like the middle of the night and they're like, we're completely backed up. Um, you guys can't come in. There are no rooms. There's no anything. That's a really interesting thing, by the way, about hospitals. So uh, if you, all right. So, so the funny thing is typically if, if you're working with a doctor and you're going to a hospital, um, you actually call your, your doctor uh, once you start to go into labor, because they'll tell you the time to start driving to the hospital. And if you go early, a hospital will actually be like, what are you doing here? Which if you've never done this before, you're probably like super offended, right? You're like, I'm obviously giving birth. They're like, yeah, but you're not ready to give birth. And you could be laboring for days, right? And if they don't have enough rooms. And so like, that was like an interesting thing that we learned. And that's an example of like something a doula can help you with. Cause they'll be like, Hey, this is how the system works right? Like you shouldn't go in. Um, you should actually relax as much as you can at home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, okay. So we were scheduled to be induced. We show up or we get a phone call. Um, and luckily like people had told us like this kind of stuff could happen. So we just like, okay, going straight back to sleep. Uh, and the next day we got a call at, like 10 AM. <clears throat> so we go in and then, uh, kind of get settled. And then start in, uh, inducing. And so inducing is like, you try to get your, they're trying to effectively get the mom to start um, going into labor. Uh, so there's a manual and there's a drug. Uh, and I'm sh there might be other ways. Again, I'm not a medical professional by any stretch, but so they do a physical one first. So they use a balloon. Uh, it's like a kind of goes in and then it expands um, to try and induce labor. So we did that for a portion of time. And then after that, they introduced Pitocin, which is a drug that induces labor. And then <clears throat> basically we're on Pitocin and uh, for 12 hours, uh, it was actually up and down because the whole time they're kind of monitoring your kid's heart rate. And for some reason during interactions, um, her heart rate was dropping, which is a thing. Uh, so they were constantly monitoring that. Uh, 
Um, so to the point that we thought they they stopped the pitocin, and we thought it actually might be like we would just have to do a C-section. And then fast forward, so we did that for twelve hours. Uh, someone constantly coming in and out. And then fast forward, next morning, um, day two, uh, they were like, "All right, we're gonna do two more hours, and uh, if you don't fully dilate, then we're gonna schedule the C-section." And this whole time, is it pretty painful? Like, is it this whole time? Like, what is it? What is it like sitting twelve hours in the hospital watching her? Mm. It wasn't painful for me. Uh, you're kind of there's like an overriding sense of concern the whole time, both for mom and for baby. If that makes sense, so you're just trying to like be supportive, snacks, drinks, looking out for them. Um, so an example was we got in and. I just confirmed we could get food and they're like, yeah, it's fine. And so I got her food. Right. And there's a great cafe there. <clears throat> We're glad we did it because like no one would have thought to do that for her because they don't stop you from eating until the drugs start. Right. And so we were there and she hadn't had time to get like breakfast. And so we had like a good meal. in. so it's stuff like that. Right. It's just like, Hey, you remember when you drink water or you remembering to eat, you know, it, it's simple things. Um, but it, it was stressful. I think like mentally we were just kind of like prepared for the worst, hoping for the best kind of, kind of deal. Right. Cause I guess we did talk to a lot of people and we'd heard a lot of stories of like much worse things happening or very surprised things happening. Um, and so we were kind of ready, like, Oh, might just too big of a baby have to get a C-section or like any sort of like complications that could happen. And so while all the, stuff that we were talking about was happening. Let's call it like a three on a one to 10, because you can kind of read the room and the nurses and you just tell they're very on top of it. Right. So, you know, it's slightly abnormal. They're being thoughtful. They already brought, brought it down to like, they shut off the Pitocin. Right. And so they're in constantly. You realize that <clears throat> basically there's a monitor in the room. There's a monitor right outside the room. And then they're all also, there's an like, entire control station where they're all watching all the moms. And they're constantly checking, right? And that's why in the middle of the night, we effectively thought it was going to be a C-section because they were in so much, right? And so you could just tell they were on it. They weren't worried. And so we were like, okay, like, try and relax, try and sleep, and just kind of keep doing what we're doing. Um Okay, so then fast forward to the morning. Uh, basically, we had someone come in. They said, okay, we're going to try for two more hours, Pitocin, and then if it doesn't work, we'll schedule a C-section. And we had an amazing nurse. She came in. She basically was with us by her side like the entire rest of the time because she's constantly having to move to mo the monitor <clears throat> because later we found out, actually, Emmeline had her umbilical cord wrapped around her neck, which is why like there was a lot of, I don't know, they're having a hard time with it. Uh, and so she was doing that and she was upping the Pitocin and then it turned out all of a sudden, seriously, like hour and a half, they're like, Oh, you're at nine and a half, which by the way, 10 is basically like, you're ready to go. Um, and they're like, okay, so we think you'll be ready to push in like 40 minutes, which is crazy. Right. We went from four, which is like almost nothing. Two hours later, hour and a half later, like fully almost ready to go. And we were like in shock basically um and then the interesting thing there is actually that's also actually where oh go ahead 
Yeah, I was, I'm just wondering, so, you know, we were talking about how you felt during this time. Was Shaw stressed at all? Um, and how does Pitocin uh, affect her, like, physically, if any? I don't know. Um, like, it, it's having you give, like, contract, right? Contractions are extremely painful. Um, but yeah. Shaw did have an epidural, right? So it reduces the pain by quite a bit. You feel pressure. But I, I can't speak to that obviously because like i've never felt it and i won't um but she didn't seem too stressed for lack of better words like again like three or four right like very aware very like on top of it but not like overly stressed and also again the <clears throat> potentially expecting the worst but like hoping for the best very kind of even a scheduled C-section. So like something they teach you is like <clears throat> a scheduled C-section is to prevent an emergency. An emergency C-section, they're like, you're immediately going. Like mm -hmm. they don't painkiller you. An emer emergency C-section, like they are cutting out the kid to save the kid's life immediately or like to do what they need to do, right? So a scheduled C-section is to prevent the like emergency, right? And so already we were like, okay, like it could already, that could be where it goes. And we had many friends with C-sections, right? And so that's kind of where I think why you're just kind of monitoring and expecting again, like you're kind of ready for it could go that way, even though we don't necessarily want it to go that way, but we're okay with it if it does. So I think, I think she was okay. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So, and then <clears throat> basically the nurse was helping her with all these different positions and there's only one position that she could hold where the baby's heart rate wouldn't drop um and it's actually called like chief position and that's actually where we got her middle name from which is we were just playing with different names and somehow we were like oh like quinn is a really it actually means chief uh and it's also a play on like queen quinn and queen because the nurse was just like i gotta meet this queen like i don't know what her deal is and why she's like so finicky so we actually like came up with the name like on the spot and that's actually where her middle name came from um, because, you know, there's only one position that she could hold, uh, and it was, it was just good vibes. Um, and then, so they're like, Hey, you're at nine and a half. You're gonna be ready to push in 30. Like come start playing your music that you like, like it's going to happen. And we were, we still kind of didn't believe it at that time. Um, and doctor came in and they're like, yeah, we'll go. Uh, and so like 14, 15 minutes later, um, we're playing music and, uh, was, we were helping, uh, he's basically doctors holding one leg, I'm holding a leg and then there's a team there and the mom's pushing. So basically you, wait, uh, wait, hold on. You're holding a leg. Is yeah, that normal? So I like that, no that the dad gets involved. Uh, I know for sure, like most dads I've spoken to cut the cord. I don't know about like holding a leg. Pulling the leg I, though? <laughs> like, that sounds I don't crazy. know. I didn't ask any, I didn't ask any questions. I just did what I was told. Wait, he's like, here, hold on to this. Yo, Andrew, like help me out here. Yeah. And yeah. The other thing is I'd heard stories about like dad saying things that were like completely wrong to the mom. Right. So like, oh, you're almost there. And someone being like, do not say that because like, you don't know. Right? So I just did what I was told and I didn't say anything. I was like, you're doing great. 
<laughs> I didn't say anything else. I was just like, I'm gonna do do what I'm told, and like, uh, and support. So it was just like, you know, hey, you can do it, and yeah, just just supporting. But I didn't have any commentary. That was like very purposeful. Um, but there there was like a whole team there, uh, like helping. So it was pretty amazing. But like very well taken care of. And so the, the wild thing is, she only knock on which like she pushed for 14 minutes and the kid came out which i from what i understand is very short so she went from like not ready to like giving birth very quickly nice well what's average i don't know average so what i've heard for labor so labor is like getting to oh god i may not get this stuff all right i think labor is getting from like zero to 10 centimeters dilated so you're basically ready to like push and give birth so I've heard labor can go from like three hours to three days, three or four days. Like it's a very, very wide curve. I don't have, <clears throat> I don't think anyone ever told me the the min and max of push time. So I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I, I will say like the story that I was hearing from like talking to people, someone had told me, you know, they push for like three hours. I think someone else had more. So I don't know. I don't know the min and max, but I know 14 minutes is very good like good for the mom meaning like you know, less pain right less pain less pushing less lots of things but yeah. I, i'm no expert whatsoever so so that was what we felt like really grateful for and it's surreal because we we went from expecting a c-section to you're ready to push to a baby is there 40 minutes later and the time goes by super fast so yeah at what point did it hit you that you were a father uh, I think when, so they, they take the baby out and the umbilical cord is still connected and they put it on the mom's chest or abdomen. And then there's just like a bunch of towels and then your, your baby appears. That's this basically what it felt like. Right. And then when, she, when Sha was holding her, that's when it, that's when it kind of hit. Cause in the beginning, <laughs> it's just like, your baby's a mess. I'll put it that way. <laughs> like. So, so you're like, is this good? Is everything okay? I don't know. I've definitely never seen this before. Right. And then they like put it on the mom and then they like towel it and you're like, Oh, super healthy and happy. Like, okay, I think we're good. And then, and then she's hanging out and then, and then, and then it hit, at least for me, that's when it hit. Cause in the beginning, it's just like, I think it happens. You're hoping everything's okay. And then you kind of, at least for me, I I need confirmation that like, Hey, is everything normal? Is this okay? Like, are mom and baby good? Right? Until then, I'm kind of like holding my breath, seeing like, is everything really okay? So, yeah. And and then it kind of starts to hit you. But it's still like extremely surreal. For Yeah. Like, life is kind of amazing, right? Because it's just kind of wild seeing it and, and being a part of it. So I mean, as you've been basically almost like preparing for the, for the, like for this for, the, for like nine months, right? I almost feel like the reason why it takes so long to to have a ba- to basically get pregnant and have a baby is because so that you have some time to process it and like prepare for it. Um, what have you kind of what has kind of gone through your mind in terms of like thinking about your childhood or seeing how people are raised and then figuring out like how you are going to be a parent or a father? Hmm. I think the main thing, I don't know. I 
my point of view, I've always enjoyed teaching. And so my point of view is just, I'm going to explain the why behind things, um, look at what they're into and try and support them in that facet. And I think I've had that policy for a long time because I also like to teach and it's, it's very similar um, where I'm just trying to help people kind of get to where they want to go and kind of clear themselves up. So that's kind of how it's felt. That hasn't, I don't feel like that's changed a lot for me. That's, that's already how I was thinking about like when I help my friends and I already figured that's how it'd be with the kid. Um, <clears throat> as well as just constantly kind of like challenging them and giving them new concepts, right? It's kind of like poking them, giving them different answers. Cause kids are always asking questions. Like I hang out with my nieces and whatnot. Right. And you very quickly realize like they are, I don't know, 50%, but they're very much their own person. Cause, cause an example is in the beginning, I always thought, oh, I'm going to like teach my kid like martial arts, like do sports and stuff. Right. And then I, you know, I meet certain kids and there's just like, they have zero interest. They literally are not going to do it. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. So I was like, oh, okay. And, and at that point it's like, okay, so I, you know, I'll share my interests with them. But I'm really looking for what sticks and then kind of like pushing them that way. And then I want to make sure that they understand the why. I felt like that was a big thing that I didn't get as much. Um, and it's kind of like, why do I need to do this? Or why is it helpful? Right. And I think that that is an extremely important thing. So that's kind of my point of view. Wait, I want to I wanna ask some probably cliche questions. Uh but I think standard interview questions for like a new parent. Um, but so, so first one would be like, um, you know, through the process, like what surprised you the most that perhaps either you thought was going to be something completely different or you expected, but just did not expect the type of uh, elicited either emotional response or just like feelings um, or realizations that you've had from having a child? Like the whole process or now that like post post birth? Probably closer. I would say the whole process, but more specifically to childbirth, even though you mm. didn't do it. <laughs> it's I don't, yeah, um, this is strange, but one is like, knock on wood, she went according to like plan. So like 5% of kids are born, born on their, on their due date or born close. Right. So, but like we were effectively, like it went kind of according to plan, right? She was induced. There was a natural birth. Both kids are healthy. We left the hospital after two nights like that was a massive shock. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like we just were ready. Yeah. You can have a kid like plus or minus one or two weeks of like your due date. Right. So that was a big surprise. And then the other thing that's actually hit for me is kind of how much more conservative and protective you are, which is why I'm really happy with like where we, where we live. Right. Because previously it was just, you go anywhere, do anything. Right. And now that's, not at all the case, right? Like you're going to walk down a more peaceful street. 
like you're not as cool with like people shouting things. It's New York, right? It's just there's always like chaos happening. Um, I think those two things were surprising. And then the third is, at least for me, enjoying like how much it forces me to slow down. Uh, and that ties into like, you can't have expectations. They're going to do what they're doing. It kind of reminds you of like your childhood, right? Or my childhood, which was life is simpler then, right? Like you just needed to eat, sleep, um, drink water. And if all that's going smoothly, like it's a good day, right? Because when it doesn't, literally it's like hours of crying and you're like, I am like losing my mind, right? And, and so it makes you like really appreciate that. So I think it's like, it hits even harder. So it's like you are already like protective of like your wife when they're pregnant, et cetera. Like it, it hits harder. And then like you being reminded of the simple things, it's harder. And then I was also surprised by it for the most part, actually going to plan. Like that was very surprising. Yeah. Does it make you, I mean, obviously like I'm sure, you know, there's, there's this whole like, range of emotions you feel being a parent and to your point you know time kind of slowing down feeling the responsibility um i know your parents like neither neither set of your parents were there but did you feel the urge or you know what did you tell or talk to your parents about the first time you spoke to them after childbirth yeah they're just excited they're the most excited i've seen them that's that's it so they just yeah, they want to know about hers. They're like super into the names or thinking about a Chinese name. And then we set up like an album for them and we continuously update it and they can't get enough. So it's it's like a new conversation style that I've never had, right? Like a gushing parent that's just excited and like, oh my God, look at this face. Or like, what did you do to her? Why does she look this way? Right. And I think that's how it's been. Um, but they've been traveling for different family reasons. Um, so we're going to figure out uh, the right time to kind of have them come out. The other complexity, and this is another good thing about like doulas or et cetera, et cetera, like talking to people is a lot of parents who visit in New York, it can actually end up you taking care of the parent because it's very hard to New York, right? Like grocery stores aren't the same. Getting around is not the same. You can't just drive. I mean, you can, but you have to know what you're doing. It's just a very stressful place um, if you don't really know what you're going. And so a lot of advice was like, hey, if your parents are coming, like, you know, make sure that you don't have to take care of them. Right. Like, make so I, I think that's a big thing. And so we'll we'll definitely have them or plan a trip out. But right now, just making sure we kind of have the bandwidth to, to k- take care of her and and uh, and stay sane. Yeah, no, totally. I, I guess my. My curiosity was more like, and I, I don't know if it hits immediately or it'll hit later in terms of like when you kind of get this understanding of, oh, this is what it feels like to be a parent. And maybe, you know, like all the emotions, like even the frustrations. Um, so I'm thinking like this might not come until, you know, Emily's like a teenager and you're like, damn, like, was I this yeah. like... This much yeah. of, you know, a trouble, you know, the way that, you no, know, now I appreciate what my parents had to go through. Yeah. So I've, I've actually thought about this a lot too. So this is similar. This is going to be a similar answer to what y'all were asking about for like what I want to like 
teach her, et cetera, because, and, and it's going to feel similar to the hospital, which is, you know, kind of expecting the worst, which is all those things you just said. Um, but the hoping for the best part is, I guess this goes back into the raising part is how I'm thinking about is I want to give her all the information because I expect her to make her own decisions. So I get it, right? There's a point up to which they can't or they just don't have the experience, but I'm going to already be trying to raise them that way. So if that's really the call that they're making, again, I don't know what to do if like from an age perspective, but like, let's use the arbitrary 18. Once they're over 18, I'm like, hey, I really tried to like teach you everything that I could so you could think on your own. And so if that's your call, then I don't think that's a good call of like whatever it is they're doing that's like extremely upsetting, but it's still their call. And I do think that that's like how I'm going to be. And and that's how I think about like teaching and that's how I think about raising them. But the reason for that for me is like, that is how I keep my peace of mind because I'm not going to be there right after a certain age. <clears throat> and so that that's actually like how I would have more peace of mind. Cause there is a, I don't have the word for it. Me and shall talk about it. There's a, there is a constantly present sense of concern for your your wife when they're pregnant and then also your kid right and so yeah that's there and so the way that like i deal with that is what i just said which is like i want to give them all the tools but like they're gonna have to make the call because they can't call me every time for like what they're gonna do right so so that's where i think the piece comes from and i do think about that a lot um but for like understanding that for my parents like they didn't go that route history and it's just hard right you're doing your best like that's not an option that they their option was like survival making it so just completely different approach uh, tell me a little bit more about that um like growing up and not knowing the why like what was that experience like for you and what what it, like can you just kind of paint that picture i think it's hard but it was just I guess I don't know if it's true, like immigrant mentality of like you need to make good grades, you need to make it to school. Stop asking questions. They're like big opportunities here. You need to make it right. And so I think with that, and I'm not saying it's them. It's just like the whole environment that I grew up in. Like I would make the grades, never understood the why, and I would I can tell you right now, I'd much rather have been like outside, like playing playing sports, and not ever being in ever in a classroom. So I would make the grades, it would go like in one ear, out the other. I mean, I absorbed enough, right? Because somehow my grades stayed okay. And I guess I can solve problems. But like the love and understanding wasn't there versus I'm so impressed. I just have certain friends that they deeply intake and then can apply everything that they learn, right? So yeah, so I think that that's the thing that I'm most jealous of. And it's because your parents were... I, I look at it as like, they're very worried, like, you need to make it, you need to get a job. It's really hard world. There's not that many things that can help you or save you. And to do that, I know you need to do X, Y, and Z. And if you do X, Y, and Z, you're going to be safe. Right. So there's not a why, right. That's not a, hey, let me make sure this kid understands like what it takes to be safe or like, it's just like do X, Y, and Z. We know that X, Y, and Z will make you safe. And don't do A, B, and C. That's all you got. And I, that, it's not how I want to do it. Because I think that they're going to have to make choice. 
and and they have the opportunity, right? They they have more choice. <clears throat> Tell me a little bit more about because like I I understand what you're saying, and I I understand like when you say like you see your friends and they had a different type of upbringing and there's like a jealousy that they're able to do something that you aren't able to do. Can you, exp- I, I'm, I kind of lost you there in terms of like, tell me, can you explain to me what exactly you're seeing? Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So like, it's like a, a good friend, you'll take a physics class uh, or like a really hard chemistry class or something. And he can, apply it years later because he'll take the information and think about how he would use it and he gets curious about it Mm. and then he can do well in a test because he understands it fully conceptually right so it's it's like do you learn math or it's like hey you love gambling this doesn't work with like a five-year-old right like whatever they're really into right like here's how math can help you Mm. right and then then they're not telling you five plus five is like 10 they're like yeah. oh if i do this i can like win at this game or i can get this extra piece of candy or i can do this thing right and then all of a sudden i think that that's like very special because right. i think that sticks with you versus like and also the different people are different right so even the friends that have that ability i don't know if their parents put it in them some people just have it mm-hmm. right so maybe he's just like or they're just like brilliant right but I want to push that direction of, right. hey, tie these things into things that like you really enjoy and understand like why, because I think it's just going to get you a lot farther. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I feel like I grew up with your kind of upbringing then too, whereas like it's just rote memorization, right? And like you're not actually, you're not, you're just basically jumping through the hoops and you're not actually like, um, there's no reason why you're actually learning in this stuff. You're just doing it because your parents are telling you to do it. And because it's supposed to get you to, to a good school. And so that's supposed to get you a good, to a good job. And you don't even like, and then you kind of half ass it too, because you don't even really care about the end result because that, you don't even understand what that means. Yeah. But you know, what's wild is there's also, there's also nothing wrong with it because if you do well in that system, then the system knows what to do with you. But if you ever want to exit that system, then you've spent a lot of time on something that potentially doesn't help you at all, right? So if you go startup and you're not in the, like, I'm sure there are startup systems now in different cities, right? That'll like guide you on that path. But if you just like exit the system, you're in, they don't even know what to do with you, right? Mm-hmm. Just, it's like when I talk to friends that have worked at big companies, now they want to work at a startup and they can't get through an interview. Like they're, they're constantly talking to me like, what do I do with this? And the, Startup also doesn't know what to do with them because they're like, mm-hmm. I'm an expert at this. And they're like, well, we don't need an expert at that. Right. And I'll talk to them like, hey, look, this is how you need to translate your skill set into like what this company needs. Like, I know I've been where the company is. Right. And so there's not a downside to that. Like, if they're going to stick to the system and that's what they enjoy, actually, maybe rote is the right way to go. But like, it's just hard to suss that out, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think that having well i mean for sure definitely having like high standards on your kid is helpful in general right because otherwise like um just certain life skills whatever it is like you still have to have like certain life skills but you're never going to be the best at anything unless you're the best at jumping through hoops right and so so basically having the ability to like figure out what you're good at and how to what really wanting to learn and being passionate about something and then basically applying it to your own life allows you to basically have 
like a bigger ceiling in terms of whatever it is that you're actually wanting to do. Yeah, and I think that passion piece is something that I would focus on as well. Again, this is all for me because I think if you're going to have fun doing it, you're going to do more of it. Yeah. Even if you are amazing at something, but you hate it, I would push them to quit, right? Or like to to do both, but find the next thing that actually makes them happy because life is really short and yeah, you, you can kind of get sucked into it. But yeah, there's always a caveat. Like this is how I would talk to my kid, right? Because it basically, hey, you're world-class at this and being world-class, it gets you X. So do you value X more? Or do you value not hating it more, right? So that that's the trade-off and that's the conversation I'd have. So it's like, okay, you have this lifestyle. If you don't, if you give up what you're world-class at, you lose this lifestyle, but you gain your happiness. Is that happiness worth it, right? And that's that's literally what I would hope they would know how to like discuss. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't tell them which way was right because they've got to make that call. Right. And then if they have that, they can keep doing it because life changes a lot. And then the world changes a lot. I mean, no, just, just understand. Cause like our parents grew up in a different world and they could, they basically yeah. gave us the best path in terms of what was it like for their world. Exactly. Right? And the world changed. Exactly. And so the advice that they gave us wasn't necessarily the most optimized, but like, our kids are going to grow up in an like exponentially different world than what we grew up in, even like more Dude, than what, what are we going to do with AI, right? <laughs> like I've heard one, I heard one school that was doing really cool things. They set like a framework around the rules around using AI, right? Because there's ones that just ban it, yeah. right? But you have to think that the place that gives you a framework is going to support you more because that's what work is going to be like, right? Yeah. Works, work is not banning AI, yeah. right? No one's like, oh, you did this amazing marketing, like you raise profits 200% stop using that tool. There's no fucking way they're going to do that. Right. Like, so I think that, yeah, the, how to think about things and knowing boundaries and being able to like go through that is more valuable than call me for the answer. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause all the jobs that exist today probably aren't going to be the jobs, the best jobs later on. Even like Shaolin, for example, right? Like, she just went through this, like, she just hit the right timing to basically, like, be at the right sp- the spot where design was good, for, like, design basically blew up in technology, right? If she had yeah. just been a little bit earlier, like, she, she would not have hit that specific time in her career. So, by the way, that's something else I wonder about, and this is a tangent, which is... Uh, it's like an outliers conversation, but the year you're born in, right? Like everyone thinks they're unique to some of you born on the same pattern, right? Like how many of us all had kids at the same time? Like it, me and like people in New York, right? How many people bought houses at the same time? And like I was, we were trying to buy when we were in San Francisco, we had no money. Right. And so regardless, you're still on a pattern. So I think to your point, yeah. How much of it is luck? Right, like, because uh, there was a recession right after I graduated, like a year, year and a half later, and I heard like everyone that graduated during that time they couldn't find jobs, right? But if you had a job, then you just kind of continued in the system, right? They're like, oh, they already know what they're doing; they'll be fine, right? Instead of you taking like a three-year dip of not having money, like, how much of it is that, right? And, and how much the chance? And I don't know. I wonder, like, 
if that happens, is there anything you can do to prepare them for that other than like being resilient or yeah. figuring things out? I, I don't know, you know? Yeah. That's why like you can't give them prescriptions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did hear about talking to certain leaders that like, as you get more senior, um, when you're job hunting, you need to not only find a good role fit, you actually need to find high opportunity. And that's actually a skill as a leader, like when you are looking for a job as well. Right. So it's not just like, do I fit with this leadership team or this team? But it's also like, do I fit this current uh, product market fit and the opportunity? Because you want to actually join when all of those factors are right. And if you have the, I don't know if it's privilege, but the privilege of like making that choice, then you might want to defer and wait. Right. Like as you get older, because you can see more and more clearly like, hey, these are the situations I'm really good at. This is really good market conditions. And if you go in, then it's almost more inevitable than that things go well. Right. But you can't always tell basically, but it, it was an interesting point of view that I heard recently. That you're not just evaluating like company and you, you're also evaluating like the existing market and uh, the opportunity. So um, I was going to ask you about buy houses, but it sounds like we're going to be in a different episode. Um, did, is there anything else about like this? Okay, so so now you so now so now basically you have a baby, and and it's been a week now. Like, is there anything else that you wanted to share um, about this process that um, like? you would like to share to me and Lee, which is like two, two guys in their late thirties. I've never had a baby before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let me, I'll, I'll just try to sum it up. Right. Yeah. So like, and then you guys can ask any questions or we can call it. So I, I think the sum up would be, <laughs> let's see if this sticks. It's like when you read, I don't know. I I've heard like psychedelics are becoming a big thing. Right. I think having a kid is a version of psychedelics. It will pull up, all types of memories and it'll let you reset yourself. So this is purely from a you standpoint, right? So like, I think that y'all would find that quite amazing. Um, and then there's also the amazing thing of like being in a relationship, right? Like growing family. Um, so I think those two are big reasons. Um, I'm not going to pressure you to have a kid. I got the most pressure to like get married and have kids from friends that were guys. So like, I'm not going to go down that route. It was just like telling you, right? Like, it's great. It's a reset. It's amazing. Reset on like whatever factors you want it to be a reset on. Um, society understands it. It's, it's a, it's a system that everyone gets. You instantly get more connections. You instantly get a reset. You can make of that what you want. You can choose to have no reset. Right. And if you don't want to reset, I don't know, maybe you don't want a kid. That's also not bad. Right. So I think that that is how I would frame it. And then if you, once you have a kid, the only advice is like, it's, it's what you, you guys have heard. So it's just, they're brand new to the world. There's nothing you can say to them. So it's just like, you need to kind of figure out what works for them. Um, and then the practical piece was like, assuming you're breastfeeding, like figure out how to do formula. <laughs> I can help you with that. It's gonna, it'll just help. We can get into it. Um, and I think that's the main, the main stuff. Like, cause everything else is, we'd have to get into it. Like it's, it's like kind of where you're at, you know? Um, and th that's why the, 
the dads they advise you here is so high level because every kid is is so different right so yeah that's it that was a great great summary by comparing it to psychedelics you've made it more attractive for me (laughs) no i think i think that's such a such a great um analogy because i can totally you know having dabbled in psychedelics i i I can totally see Yeah, how being, you know, having a baby is, is like that, right? Because no one, no matter what everyone tells you, you can't know until you have one. Right. And yeah, and everything is. Yeah. Right. And then that, that whole bring up memories and like, you know, emotions and stuff, like I, I can totally see how that would be the case. So I think yeah, that, because that's great. N- nothing that. that you used to do works anymore. Like, because you can't push a stroller into this, you don't know how to like carry your kid, right? So you just sit in there hours, like, how do I feed this? Like, what is happening? <laughs> right. And so, like, your patterns just all get interrupted, right? Which is what psychedelics do, right? They give you access to different parts that you've forgotten or they make you realize, like, oh, this is, like, the darkness that, you know, I need to, like, deal with now or whatever it is, right? So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks, man. That was that was an amazing description. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, for sure. Good all to right, see, see you all. Nice. Right. See you. All right. Bye. Bye.